What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When I was trying to climb over the fence of my house, the bodyguards were catching up to me. Miss Pringle, hmm? stop! Your parents forbid you to leave the house. Tell them I'll only come back when they change their mind. While I was rushing, my pants accidentally got caught in the fence and it tore a huge hole on my butt. Damn it! Embarrassed, I covered my torn pants while running away. Hi, I'm Nora, a famous 18-year-old pop star from Canada. The reason I ran away from home was because of a conflict with my parents. Over the years, they made me work to the bone without a day off. I had frustratedly begged them to cancel all my work plans for Christmas that year, but no, they flatly denied it and even forced me to perform a live show on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and the worst part was that I would have to do a duet with Jack, my ex-boyfriend who had an affair with my own dancer. Ugh, I couldn't even denounce him because it would affect both of our reputations. After the successful escape attempt from home, I plan to fly to the Maldives and spend the holidays there. But first, I needed to recharge some energy, so I stopped by a McDonald's. While I was trying to stuff my face, some fans recognized me. They rushed over and repeatedly took my pictures. Oh my god, is it Nora? Ah! Wait, don't! Their screams caught everyone's attention. What a nightmare! If my pictures were uploaded to the media, my parents would know where I was and drag me home. I quickly grabbed a nearby paper bag and put it on my head and ran out of there. However, my fans were determined to chase after me. When I ran through a street corner, I saw an empty car and without thinking, I hid in there. I intended to wait until the crowd had disappeared to come out, but then, the car suddenly started up. When I raised my head in panic, in front of me was a monstrous figure with pointed ears and a large hat. What? What are you? The huh? driver got startled and shouted even louder than me. He panicked and crashed into a nearby lamppost. When we got out of the car, I realized he was just wearing a Christmas elf costume. <gasps> Look what you've done! I'm so sorry, I'll pay for your car repair. But when I reached for my backpack, I suddenly <gasps> realized I had forgotten it at McDonald's. My plane tickets, money and papers were all in there. Even more unfortunate, when we went back to McDonald's, the bag was gone. The angry elf was about to call the police, but I quickly stopped him. In that urgent situation, an idea crossed my mind. I told him my story and begged him to let me crash at his place for a handsome amount of money. Please, you can't just leave a lady on the street this late. I knew it was crazy and dangerous, but I had no other choice. I would never return home in such a pathetic state. After begging him for a while, he sighed and finally nodded in agreement. 
On the way back home, he introduced himself as Finn, and he was currently living with a 16-year-old sister. Their family was quite poor, which was why Finn still worked part-time during the holidays. He was a staff at an amusement park, and it was traditional for them to wear Christmas elf outfits during the season. Not long after that, we arrived. Just like he said, his place was a rundown place. It wasn't even as big as my bedroom. Welcoming us was Anna, Finn's hmm? sister. She immediately recognized <gasps> me and screamed excitedly that I was her idol. Thanks to her, I felt much more comfortable. However, that night I didn't have much of a good sleep because I had to struggle with the sheet on the rollaway bed. When I tucked the sheet at one end, the other end immediately slipped. And when I was finally able to spread out the entire sheet, the bed suddenly folded and I was trapped inside. Holy cow, no one told me it would be that hard. When the next morning came, I was awoken abruptly by the shrill clock alarm. I dazedly opened the bathroom's door, but to my surprise, Finn was showering. Oh Jesus, what are you doing? Why didn't you lock the door? My cheeks flushed brightly when my eyes were blessed with his abs. I quickly apologized and closed the door, but the knob suddenly fell off. Seeing that, Anna laughed hysterically and explained that the bathroom door was broken, but they hadn't fixed it yet because they had no money to spare. I never knew they were that poor. For breakfast, there was only a piece of bread that had expired for three days. Ew. I immediately threw it away. After that, I was all alone in the house because Anna had to leave for a Christmas play rehearsal and Finn had left for work. While I was cleaning, suddenly Finn called me to say that he had forgotten his bag at home and asked me to help bring it. Just like that, I went to the amusement park where he was working. When the mission was completed, the moment I was leaving, out of nowhere, his boss asked me to be the replacement for an absent staff member. I wanted to refuse, but Finn quickly accepted the offer on my behalf. Needless to say, I was beyond angry. Finn, have you lost it? Come on, Nora. Holiday wishes are tripled. But I might be exposed. Don't worry, no one will recognize you. Turns out, this was the reason he was so confident. What a genius. Ugh. But it was true that for the whole day, nobody recognized me. I was anxious at first, but playing with the children had put a smile on my face. That night, we told the story to Anna, and the three of us had a dinner full of laughter. After that, we made gingerbread and decorated the house for Christmas together. It was the family feeling that I had been missing for so long. In the middle of the night, I called my parents and hoped that they had had a change of heart, but unfortunately, Warm family gatherings were definitely not in their mind. Nora, if you don't come back before the Christmas concert, we'll take drastic measures. You can stick your measures where the sun doesn't shine! I angrily hung up the phone. Unexpectedly, the next morning, my parents posted the news that I was missing and suspected of being kidnapped. Damn it, I couldn't even go out now. Finn was reassuring me when suddenly, the door to his house opened and my parents and their bodyguards boldly walked in. Nora, you ran away from home to live in this landfill? Then my mom walked over to Finn. I quickly stopped her. Leave him alone! I'm the one to take responsibility, not him! What are you blabbering about, child? I just want to thank him. He informed us about you. Then she gave him a stack of cash. What? Finn betrayed me? I screamed in anger. Bastard! Are you so poor that you're willing to sell out your friend? His face suddenly darkened. Yes, we're different and can't ever be friends. After we had a huge fight, my parents forcefully dragged me home. After that incident, my life was back to the way it was. Although my parents tried to coax me into relaxing and forgetting about everything that had happened, I only felt empty inside. 
A few days later, the Christmas concert finally took place. When I walked on the red carpet, I ran into Jack, my ex-boyfriend. When the jerk saw me, he rushed over and suddenly told the press, Nora and I will release a music video together next summer. I whispered angrily to him, What nonsense are you spitting? <laughs> oh, come on, doll. Haven't your parents told you yet? I furiously pushed him away and hid in the dressing room to calm down. Why did my life suck so much? When I was in despair, I suddenly heard a familiar voice. Hmm? Nora, are you okay? Anna, why are you here? Anna told me that she pretended to be an employee to sneak in here to meet me. Then she burst into tears. I'm sorry, it was me who snitched on you. <laughs> why did you do that? Turns out, when Anna learned that Finn might be considered a kidnapper for letting me hide at their house, she was so scared that she decided to call my parents to explain. They promised Anna that they would treat me better, but ended up taking me away. So why did Finn admit to selling me out? His pride was hurt when you said he was poor. He was angry, but he returned your mom's money after that. I was shocked and feeling extremely regretful. Those words must have hurt him deeply. Anna told me she would help me escape, but this time, I refused to run away. It's fine, Anna. It's time I fought my own battle. Then I fearlessly walked on stage. Standing in front of my fans, I confessed the truth that I had been slaving away because of my parents and declared that I would no longer obey their unreasonable demands anymore. From backstage, my parents got so pale and panicked that they urged Jack to stop me. When he came near me, I shouted, And you, Jack? I'll never duet with a cheater who slept with my dancer. I threw the mic at him and the whole audience roared wildly. After that day, I was free from my parents' control. I also went to Finn to ask for his forgiveness and he welcomed me back like an old friend. That season, for the first time, I felt a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes. A hidden camera, right in my room. This couldn't be happening. Who installed it? And how did I not see it? Hi, my name's Susan, and you would never believe the story I'm about to tell you. I wouldn't believe it either, and to be honest, I still don't. I'll start by saying that ever since I was a kid, I've been considered weird. Yeah, my hobbies are not what you'd call ordinary. I used to watch videos about conspiracy theories. I believed in ghosts and the afterlife. I saw signs in everything. My friends and parents had gotten used to my peculiarities a long time ago. My mom and dad were more concerned that I was doing well in school and not hanging with shady people. My friends, on the other hand, appreciated my sense of humor and openness. And all was well until the night when I first noticed something strange. My friends and I were coming home from the movie theater, discussing the movie and making plans. Usually. We walk together to the same intersection, and then we go our separate ways home. We wished each other good night, exchanged jokes, and I turned onto my street. I was in a good mood. I walked past the houses and smiled to myself. But the smile disappeared from my face when I put my hand in my pocket to get my headphones. The pocket was empty. Oh, damn. I lost my headphones that my parents had given me for my birthday years ago. Maybe I dropped them on the way. <sighs> With a sigh, I headed back to the intersection, hoping that my headphones were still lying on the pavement somewhere. As I turned to the corner, however, I instantly forgot about losing them. My friends, who seemed to have gone home at the same time as I did, were standing at the same intersection where we said goodbye, arguing about something. I froze and opened my mouth to call out to my friends. Suddenly, Owen saw me. It's Susan! He yelled, 
the guys' faces changed, and they started running away. I was still standing at the intersection, not really sure what was going on. I had no choice but to turn around and go home, giving up on my lost headphones. So, what was that all about? I asked this question in our shared chat room. What do you mean? Owen replied immediately. Don't make a fool out of me. I saw you at the intersection. You ran away as soon as you saw me. The chat was silent for about five minutes. I saw the guys were typing something, but they never sent it. I could bet that outside of the chat, they were discussing how to respond. You're making things up again, Susan. Finally wrote Tori. Did you watch your weird reptiloid videos all night again? The others responded with smiley faces. Oh, really? Of course, the best defense is offense. And actually, reptiloids do exist. I'll see how these geniuses laugh when the lizards take over the planet. I decided not to respond and tossed the phone aside. And these are my best friends. I watched the notifications from the shared chat pop on my phone all evening, but I didn't respond. Surely, they were making wisecracks about my imagination. But the strange things didn't stop there. In the morning on my way down to breakfast, I heard my parents talking, and I almost fell down the stairs. They clearly weren't ready for me to get up so early. What do we need to talk about? Dad asked. I never had time to read the message. I had a lot of work to do. John, you're being irresponsible about your role. Mom answered. We need to say that Anne Jacqueline is sick, and we need to visit her next week. That doesn't sound believable, to be honest. Well, what can I do? They told me to improvise, and I last acted in a school play about 20 years ago. What does it all mean? What kind of roles are they talking about? Meanwhile, my parents finished their strange conversation, and my mother shouted, Susan, breakfast is ready. I had to go downstairs and pretend I didn't hear anything. Of course, my appetite was out of the question. Thoughts swirled in my head, one more suspicious than the next. My friends obviously wanted to discuss something without me. This has never happened before. We always did everything together and had no secrets from each other. My parents were up to something too and made up some crazy story about Aunt Jacqueline. Just so you understand, my Aunt Jacqueline is a very rich and very unpleasant person. Even on her deathbed, she wouldn't want to have poor people like us hanging around her. So, the story my parents were going to tell me was a total fail. But that's not what surprised me. They said to improvise. Who's they? Ugh, all this weirdness is worthy of the Shane Dawson channel. I'd love to jump to a conclusion or two, but I had absolutely no clue as to what was going on. I wanted to keep a closer eye on my parents' behavior, and I decided not to communicate with my friends at all for now. I was so offended by what they said. I was so angry that they made me look like a freak. So I'll let them hang out without me until they admit what they did was wrong. And they can explain their bizarre behavior. Well, for the next few days, my parents didn't raise any suspicions, as if they knew I was watching them closely. We usually spent Friday nights together. We'd have a nice dinner, and then we'd sit in front of the TV and watch a movie. We have a rule in our family. We take turns choosing a movie. One week it was mom, next week it was dad, and the week after, it was my turn. If it wasn't for this rule, I would have only survived family movie nights for a couple of months. 
My parents would usually pick some old movie, and I would almost fall asleep in the middle of it. But when it was my turn, we always had a great time. Well, at least I did. This Friday, I was out of luck. My mother, as usual, chose some old sob story. But this time, I didn't manage to get any sleep. The movie was called The Truman Show, and it was about a man who one day discovers that his whole life was a reality show. There were cameras everywhere. Every event in his life was directed by a genius producer, and the people, even those closest to him, are just actors playing parts. I forgot how to breathe. The credits were rolling on the screen, and I still couldn't get my thoughts together. Susan, is everything okay? Mom put her hand on my shoulder. Yeah. I stared at her. They said to improvise. Mom's words played in my head like a broken record, and my friends discussing something behind my back and then pretending it didn't happen. This couldn't be happening. Of course I couldn't sleep that night. Rolling from side to side, I tried to calm down and prove to myself that there was no reality show featuring me. It was a ridiculous idea. I could write a book with my wild imagination. I decided to bring my teddy bear Barney to bed. When I was a kid, he always helped me fall asleep quickly. But at some point, I decided that sleeping with a teddy bear at my age was stupid. Since then, Barney had settled on the shelf above my desk. I haven't picked him up for such a long time, and I wish I hadn't. Once I looked at his cute face, I screamed and dropped the toy on the floor. No way! As I took Barney into my hands again and looked closely, I felt my insides freeze. A hidden camera. It was installed in the right eye of my teddy bear. Who installed it? And what was it filming? Is my whole life a scripted show? Like in that movie? My parents came running into the room. When my mom saw Barney in my arms, she gasped and stared at my dad. Why didn't you tell me the truth? I screamed. What do you mean? Dad looked at mom disapprovingly. Didn't you tell her everything? I should have, but I forgot. Susan, it's... You forgot? I threw the bear to the floor. Forgot to tell me that my whole life is a stupid reality show. And you're complete strangers to me. How could you forget that? Honey, Dad said softly. Don't be so dramatic. What's he talking about? What do you mean dramatic? Now I knew what that strange remark from Mom meant. My parents suggested we talk about this in the morning over breakfast without getting too emotional. They took Barney and cautiously left the room, clearly afraid of making me more angry. I was in shock. What was I supposed to do now? Where to go if everything around me isn't real? I grabbed my phone and opened the group chat room. My friends for days now have been trying in vain to work things out with me by sending me funny stickers and asking how I was doing and how long I was going to stay mad. Stay mad? I know everything! Despite the late hour, my message was immediately read by everyone in the chat room. Barry was the first to respond. I knew it was a stupid idea. Well, you should have thought of something different, Monica replied. Susan, we're sorry we tricked you. We had no other choice. Owen added a crying smiley face. I started typing, feeling tears well up in my eyes. What do you mean there was no other way out? My whole life is ruined. Now I don't know what's true and what's a lie. Who are my real friends and who are the actors who are paid to pretend to be my friends? Uh, Sue? 
You're obviously overreacting, Tori said. I felt like smashing the phone against the wall. Overreacting? My whole life is a freaking reality show, and I'm overacting? Susan, I don't really understand what you mean. Barry stepped in again. We just wanted to surprise you. I know those headphones were dare to you, but the ones we got you are mind-blowing. What other headphones? I was totally confused about what was going on. And then my friends, interrupting each other, began to tell me their vision of what was happening. As it turned out, they'd long noticed that my headphones were barely alive. Barry, Owen, Tori, and Monica decided to chip in and buy me the coolest new headphones. And to make sure I would use them, they decided to steal my old headphones. And that's what my friends did that day at the movie theater. I swear, Sue, you're gonna go crazy when you hear those basses, raved Owen. Wait a minute. You wrote that you knew everything. What did you mean by that? I didn't know what to answer, Tori. I didn't want to look any weirder than I was. Okay, this part of the story seemed pretty believable. But what the hell was up with the camera in my room? That's what my parents told me at breakfast. We installed hidden cameras a long time ago, Mom explained. There's more than one in the house, one per room. But don't worry, we only turn them on when the whole family goes on vacation. I should have told you about it, but I forgot. I got carried away. Actually, it's strange that you've only noticed them now, dear. Daddy frowned. How do you clean your room? Again, the best defense is a good offense. But what about the one sentence that scarred me so much? Our friends invited us to a spa hotel next week. To relax, to have fun, Mom said. We were embarrassed that we weren't taking you with us, and we didn't want you to think we were tired of you. To be honest, I still didn't fully believe their explanations. Too many coincidences, don't you think? Or maybe I am living in a reality show. But then, how do I know for sure? Please, share your opinion in the comments. And if you like my story, subscribe to our channel and like this video. It just can't be. My life has never been so similar to a bad Mexican soap opera. Is it a coincidence? I hopefully looked at my parents. No, Goldie, it's not a coincidence. He shared his blood with you. Oh no, I wish I was dead. Hi, my name is Goldie, and I just recently found out that my worst enemy saved my life. I have no one to blame for that accident except myself. What a stupid idea it was to ride a scooter when you have no idea how to operate it. But I lost my mind when I saw this beautiful thing of mine in the parking lot of the school, or rather two of my beauties, a brand new scooter and my boyfriend Duke. I have been dreaming of having an iron horse for years, and now Duke got me one for my birthday. I quickly jumped on it. My hands were on the rough black handles, and I almost screamed with happiness. I'll show you how to ride it. Duke promised, smiling happily, but I couldn't wait. I want to start it up. My boyfriend turned the ignition key, gripped the brake handle, and pressed the start button. The scooter's engine rumbled, and it sounded like the most beautiful music in the world to me. Duke put his arm around my waist. I'll teach you how to ride it, and we'll go for a spin. Why wait? I clutched the handle of the scooter with all my might and cranked it toward me. The iron horse took off at a speed far greater than I expected. 
After all, my boyfriend didn't skimp on the gift and chose the best and most powerful thing for his girlfriend. Goldie, look out! It was the last thing I heard before I flew out onto the road right under the wheels of a speeding car. That was how I ended up in a hospital bed. I was unlucky in one respect. I was not wearing any protection at all at the time of the accident, but I was lucky that the paramedics came fairly quickly. I lost a lot of blood, but my brain was intact, there were no broken bones, and I felt pretty good now, until I found out who helped me stay alive. After the accident, I urgently needed a blood transfusion. And once again, I was lucky. A suitable donor was found within hours after the information about the accident and the request for help had spread around the school. However, my parents and Duke shared the name of the donor with a rare blood type with faces that would have been more appropriate at a funeral. Here, my boyfriend handed me some papers. I ran my eyes over them and tripped over the most hated name in the universe. Sean Glams. It sounded like a verdict. My parents confirmed it wasn't a mistake or a coincidence. My worst enemy showed up at the hospital when he found out I needed blood and became a donor. Did you see him? I turned to Duke. He nodded. Yes, we ran into each other in the hallway. And? Was he gloating? You'd be surprised, but no. Jerk Sean was acting all sorrowful. Jerk Sean. That was the nickname by which all my family and friends knew Sean Glams. My war with Sean had been going on for exactly five years, ever since I transferred to a new school. And in those five years, the guy had proven himself to be a real jerk. He didn't like me right away. I got my ass kicked by that idiot as soon as I stepped into the building. At first, my parents laughed at Glam's antics, calling them odd signs of affection. But as time went on, the longer I went to Redwood High School, the less we joked about it. Jerkshawn used to bully me using the most elaborate means possible. He was irritated by my grades, my accomplishments in drama club, the car my dad drove me to school in, the friends I met on my first day, the handsome boyfriend who treated me so well. It was like Sean was angry that I existed. My parents tried to talk to Sean himself, to his parents, to the principal, but to no avail. The straight-A student and the face of the school was untouchable. The face, I would have called him something else. Why did he do it? I still couldn't figure it out. Goldie, what surprises you? Even an idiot like that can't walk past someone else's pain. That's right. Mom smiled. I bet he realized he wasn't being fair to you. Duke and I looked at each other, thinking the same thing. Sean Glams came to his senses? Nonsense! Anyway, I gradually recovered, and within a few weeks, I was able to return to normal life. The class greeted me with applause. Yeah, congratulations to this arrogant fool for not ending her epic ride right in heaven. I was still angry at myself for my carelessness, but there was something else that was bugging me. I had to meet Sean and talk to him. I found my greatest enemy by the fountain in the schoolyard. He was flipping through his book, and when he saw me, he tried to duck out of it. Stop right there! We never really liked each other, but this time, my tone was so firm that he didn't argue, so he stayed where he was, looking down. I looked around, making sure no one could hear us, and asked, Why did you do that? What do you want? The guy looked at me with his angry eyes. I saw the paperwork. 
Why did you become a blood donor? You hate me, don't you? Sean was quiet for a minute, and then he blurted out, Don't be ridiculous. Do you think our fights are more important than a human's life? It just so happens that we have the same rare blood type. Those were the last words I was prepared to hear from this angry, jealous guy. Too bad he didn't think my ruined nerve cells were more important than our fights. Anyway, he did help me. As you can understand from the incident, I have always been a very emotional person. I was in that moment too, as I hugged a stunned Sean and whispered in his ear, Thank you so much, I owe you one. The boy wasn't lost for long. Quickly, he broke free of my embrace and left. But I don't forget a good deed that easily. I needed to do something sincere and big for my savior, like a thank you. And I had already thought of what it would be, but I'll tell you about it a little later because the story of the accident was getting more and more detailed. I still had to see the doctor once a week. Dr. Whiteman questioned me in detail about my well-being and studied the results of my tests. I felt fine. Only occasionally I complained about headaches. Everything is within normal limits. The doctor reassured me. The headaches will pass soon. The main thing is that the sensitive young man didn't hesitate to share his rare blood. Sensitive? I frowned. The nurse told me that he was not himself when he came to the hospital. Eyes frantic, handshaking, almost crying. Is he a close friend of yours? Closer than I thought, I muttered to myself. I couldn't even believe it. Was Sean really that worried about my life? What else could explain his strange behavior on the day he came to donate blood? After the hospital, I went to Duke's garage. My boyfriend liked to spend his time there, endlessly fiddling with his iron friends, his car, and motorcycle. It doesn't make sense. He shrugged when I repeated the doctor's words. Maybe Jerk Sean was upset about having to find a new victim. We laughed, but somehow sadly. Maybe he's not such a jerk? I said thoughtfully. Yeah, and I'm a distant relative of Barack Obama. We laughed again. That would have been nice. I hugged him and nodded at my scooter, which Duke was slowly restoring. How's it going? Pretty good. Almost no damage, just a bit of a problem with the brakes, but I'll fix that. We could joke all we wanted, but the fact remained that Sean had shown himself in a very different way this time, and I probably shouldn't call him a jerk anymore. After all, I wouldn't be able to hug my boyfriend and see my parents anymore without that jerk. So here was my plan. The first thing I did was go to the reporters of our school's YouTube channel. They of course were aware of my story and were happy to help. We filmed a short video that I was planning to show to the whole school at the year-end event. As always, on the last day of school, the entire Redwood school staff gathered in a huge auditorium to congratulate and award the very best students. Of course, no one could compete with Sean Glam's accomplishments. A straight-A student who created four terrific projects this year, the best in the city and the state, Sean took the stage to loud ovations. The principal shook the guy's hand. But I'd like to name one more, Mr. Glam's most important accomplishment this year. The principal nodded. The lights in the auditorium went out, and the video we shot with the reporters appeared on the huge screen. In my mini-interview, I talked about the complicated relationship that Sean and I had. Major enemies, pure hatred with no chance of a truce. But life decided to make adjustments. Who would have thought that one day, I would be able to thank Sean so sincerely, to thank him for anything at all? The video projection of me wiped away her tears and smiled. But I'm so grateful to him for saving my life. 
Thank you, Sean. The video ended, and the auditorium literally exploded with applause and enthusiastic shouts. Students and teachers chanted, Thank you, Sean, while he stood in the middle of the stage, white as a ghost. His eyes wandered from one face in the crowd to the next. Then he turned to the principal, as if seeking protection. And then he turned to me. I was sitting in the front row. Stop it! I read my savior's lips. Stop it! Come on, young man. The principal patted him on the shoulder encouragingly. You deserve it. Thank you, Sean. The crowd kept chanting. No. I thought Glams was going to cry. I felt uncomfortable. No, no. The cry of the best student silenced several hundred voices in an instant. We all stared at Sean, unsure of what had frightened him. I didn't save Goldie. That's not what happened. Stop it. You don't know anything. The guy stormed out and ran for the exit. He ran past me with a twisted look on his face. There was silence in the hall for a few seconds. I jumped up from my seat, nodded at the distraught principal, and went looking for Sean. I found my savior by the same fountain where we first met after my return from the hospital. Sean was sobbing so desperately that he didn't even notice me approaching. And when he did, he took a step to the side. Go away! I can't live with this anymore! With what, Sean? I don't understand. It's my fault! The guy sobbed again. The accident happened because of me! I felt like I was hit on the head with a dust bag, as if the meaning of his words was making its way to me through a dense fog. I saw your stupid boyfriend bringing the scooter into the parking lot. He went off to look for you, and it was like I had lost my mind. I stood there staring at that damn scooter for ages, and then I went over and broke the brake lever. By the time I realized what I'd done, it was too late. But the accident wasn't because of a faulty brake. It was because I wasn't watching where I was going. I wasn't even thinking about slowing down. Of course Sean was a monster, but he has already shown remorse for what he did, and I owe him my life. Do you think I should tell Sean what really happened? Or should he continue to suffer from remorse? Leave your opinion in the comments. Your support is very important to me. That night, I stood in front of the student lockers and stuffed a bunch of letters into them. Suddenly, the alarm rang and a security guard came. Huh? No one's here? Hmm. Maybe it's just some mic. After he left, I breathed a sigh of relief because I wasn't discovered. <laughs> Can you guys guess where I am? I'm here, on top of a closet with a super cool hiding pose like Elastigirl. Hi, I'm Annie, 17 years old. Currently, I'm studying in the most disciplined boarding school on Holly Island, England. The school that could make any student tremble when they hear its name. If you misbehaved just once, you would be severely disciplined. Unfortunately for that school, I'm the girl who was born to break every single rule. At this place, it was mandatory to follow a set of rules which included no romance, no defamation, no phone in class. If we broke any of these three, it would either leave an ugly remark on our school records or get us expelled. Still, the school believed they were very merciful because phones were allowed in the dormitory. But little did they know that the phone signals and network there were so weak that our phones were practically useless. We couldn't contact each other at all. So I came up with a bold business idea. Using letters to communicate, I'd be the mailwoman and charge them accordingly. 
but occasionally I ran into a few problems. Once, when I was secretly putting a letter from Mary into her boyfriend's locker, the superintendent mm. caught me. Eddie, show me that piece of paper. I tried to run away, but he helped me back. When he thought he was about to catch the mastermind behind the mailing service, he opened the paper and saw nothing but scribbles inside. What does this mean? Is there a rule that prohibits drawing, sir? The superintendent got angry and left. Are you surprised? While running away, I switched Mary's letter with the one bowl of scribbles that I had prepared in case I got caught. Smart, right? <laughs> but not every time I was able to escape so smoothly. Two months ago, during one of my mailing trips during the night, I had to go to the parking lot. I was tying the letter neatly under the oak tree when suddenly a light flashed at me. Who's there? Afraid of being discovered, I slipped behind a pickup truck and climbed into it to hide. Suddenly, the truck started to roar and sped away. I was so scared that I slammed on the truck's door. Drop me down! I'm right here! The truck braked and a young man screamed angrily. Are you nuts? Why did you climb here? It was a very strange looking man. I had never huh? seen him at school before. He introduced himself as Alvin, the new school janitor. When Alvin was asking me why I was at school in the middle of the night, accidentally, a bunch of letters from my coat fell down on the ground. I hastily picked them up. Oh, you're the operator of the secret mailing service. Nope. So why else would you come to school at night with a pile of letters? Okay, fine, you're right. It's me, but you can't tell this to anyone. Hmm. Alvin agreed on one condition. He wanted to join my mailing service and get a share of the profits. Although I didn't want to, I had to agree. After that day, Elvin officially became my partner in crime. I went to school by morning to study and broke into the school <laughs> by night to deliver letters with him. The number of people who wanted to send letters was increasing, and the purpose of the letters went from love confessing to attacking each other. One day, I received an anonymous <gasps> request to send a cursed letter to Farrell, the fearsome bully at my school. I didn't want to. However, Alvin convinced me to do it because the client would pay us a lot of money, so I hesitantly accepted. That night, I took the letter to Farrell's locker, but suddenly, there was a loud noise. Alvin quickly pushed me into the corner as footsteps were approaching. Who's there? We held our breath. Alvin held my hand tightly while our hearts pounded with fear. Who touched my locker? Realizing that we could not escape easily, Alvin came out to face Farrell and got beaten right away. The alarm bell rang loudly and the school security came immediately. I was about to rush out to save Alvin, but he ran away to distract them from seeing me. The very next day, Alvin was suspended from work. As for Farrell, because he had bribed the superintendent, he was released. It was so unfair. I quickly went to Alvin's home. When he saw me, he just sighed. Well, it was fun while it lasted, kid. Guess it's time for me to retire. No, I'll get justice for you! With that said, I left his house. In my mind, I decided to do one last mailing service. I would send my own letter to the principal. That evening, while waiting for the principal to leave, I snuck inside and placed a two-page letter pointing out the absurdity of the school and the darkness lurking behind its perfect image. Suddenly, the door to the principal's office was slammed shut. Out of nowhere, Pharaoh came to me with a baseball bat. <laughs> gotcha, male woman. He swung the bat repeatedly and broke all the furniture in the room. When he accidentally hit a bookcase, causing the thick thing to fall on his head, I immediately dashed to the door. Pharaoh quickly grabbed me, but unfortunately, the principal showed up in the nick of time. He and the superintendent hurriedly stopped Pharaoh. After Pharaoh and I were sent to the supervisor's room to reflect on our wrongdoings, suddenly there was a knock on the door. When the door opened, I was shocked to see Alvin in a smart suit. Farrell, 
You're a spell due to school vandalism and intentionally causing injury. What? Pharaoh angrily launched at Alvin, but he immediately stopped his sponge. What are you to expel me? <gasps> I'm the inspector of the National Department of Education. I was sent here to investigate violations and complaints about the school. Security, get him out. I was really shocked to learn this fact. It turned out that Alvin had broken into the school under the mask of a janitor to investigate and protect his true identity. Soon after, the security took Pharaoh out. The principal appeared right after that. He smashed my letter hmm? to the table. How dare you insult our sacred school rules? I'm not insulting anything. You must see how ridiculous these hmm. rules are. They're making the students suffer. Suddenly, Alvin poured out from his coat a lot of letters from the students. They were letters complaining about the school's strict rules, along with many photos of bullying and bribery. You'll have to think twice when looking at these. The principal picked them up as his <gasps> eyes widened. After a while, he made a shocking decision. Bring those who took bribes to the court, expel those who were violent, and at the same time, repeal all previous rules. From there, students can freely connect with each other, use their phones to study, and give honest feedback on the quality of teaching. As for me, it was illegal to break into the school at night to send letters, so I was still disciplined. But thanks to those letters, everything came to light, so I was quickly allowed to go back to school normally. As for Elvin, after settling everything, he returned to the Department <laughs> of Education to report on the results. I really hope to see Elvin again one day to thank him personally. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.